0: The Pharisees mistreat the sheep in John chapter 9. That language is not there, and so it seems like maybe somewhat of an abrupt transition after Jesus heals this man who had been born blind, and the Pharisees put him out of the synagogue, and all of a sudden Jesus starts saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold, it sort of seems disjointed. But the connection is that the Pharisees mistreat the sheep in John chapter 9. And in John 10, Jesus is now contrasting himself with those who, like the Pharisees, are not true, genuine, good shepherds. And Jesus uses a number of analogies from shepherdry to describe himself and his work. Obviously, shepherding and sheep is a huge theme in John chapter 10, and so we're going to be exploring this kind of stuff over the next number of weeks. But today, we're looking at only the first five verses, in which the main idea is that Jesus, as the shepherd, has a legitimate claim to the sheep. The first thing I want to point out is that this whole section presupposes that there are sheep. There is such a thing as sheep. We need to have a category for sheep. In a sense, all God's people are sheep. We sang this morning, all people that on earth do dwell, which is a versification of Psalm 100. It's a uh, selection from the old Genevan Psalter. Really all it is is Psalm 100. And uh, in there we uh, sing that... um, sorry, I didn't write it down. I was relying on my memory, but what does it say? We, for His sheep, He doth us take. And um, in, in the actual Psalm 100, it says, We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. And Psalm 100, before even coming to that, it says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. So lest we think that that's, well, that's the Israelites talking, God's special covenant people. Psalm 100 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. And so there is a sense in which all people everywhere, because it is the Lord who made us, and we are His, there is a sense in which all people everywhere are God's sheep. By virtue of being made by him and therefore belonging to him. But that's not the sense in which Jesus uses the term sheep in John chapter 10. Jesus is using the word sheep in a narrower sense. And this is manifest by verse 4, in which Jesus says, The sheep follow him, that is the shepherd. The sheep follow the shepherd. Again, later on in the chapter, Obviously, in this analogy, the the shepherd represents Jesus. So, from verse 4, we can extrapolate that the the sort of sheep that Jesus is referring to are the people who follow Jesus. And again, later on in the chapter, and Jesus makes it explicit here in verse 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So beyond any shadow of a doubt, in John chapter 10, Jesus is thinking of sheep as those who past, present, and future have believed in him, presently do believe in him, or will one day believe in him. In other words, the sheep in John chapter 10 are Christians, if we may anachronistically Put it that way, as we include Old Testament believers along with New Testament believers. In John chapter 10, the sheep are those who, whether they lived in Old Testament times, whether they lived in New Testament times, anyone who has believed in the Messiah, trusted in the Messiah, presently does or will one day trust in the Messiah. In John chapter 10, these are the sheep. The sheep are those whom God has given to Christ Jesus to be his sheep in contrast to those whom he has not given. More on this later. But bear the point in mind that evidently not all people are Christ's sheep in the sense that he's using the term in John 10. That's manifest from the fact that not all people hear Jesus' voice and follow him. So there is sheep. Now consider this. There are those who have no legitimate claim on the sheep, but will nevertheless attempt to claim the sheep for their own. And this part of Jesus' analogy really doesn't need much of an explanation or a defense, does it? Everyone knows that theft happens. Whether it's sheep, whether it's cars, whether it's wallets or purses, whether it's electronics or anything else, there are always those who have no legitimate claim upon a thing, and yet, nevertheless, claim that thing for their own. We just call that theft. And all Jesus is doing here is insisting that theft happens in the religious sphere also. There are those who will make a claim on the lives, the the total being of people, bodies and souls. There are those who will make a claim on the lives of people on whom they have no legitimate claim. These people don't belong to them, and yet they claim them for their own. It is this dynamic that Jesus is referring to in verse 1, where he says, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. As we think back to chapter 9 and Jesus' healing of this man who was born blind, did the Pharisees have a legitimate claim on that man? who becomes a believer in Jesus in John chapter 9? Did he belong to the Pharisees? No. Yet, look at the dynamic of the Pharisees' relationship to him, exemplified especially clearly in John 9, 24, when for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Think about what's happening. It's evident that the Pharisees want this man to side with them, to follow them, instead of following he who is truly the man's shepherd, namely Jesus. So they are thieves and robbers, making a claim on this sheep, who really belongs to Christ. And they have no business making a claim on this man, and yet that is exactly what they do. Likewise, in our day and age, many clamor for the followership, if I may put it that way, of those who would otherwise be followers of Jesus. These are nothing less than thieves and robbers. If God has given the sheep to Christ... If there are those whom the Father has given to the Son who legitimately belong to Christ, and yet there are people who come and essentially say, don't follow Christ, come with us instead, and attempt to, whether by deception or by force, get these people to follow them instead of following Christ, these people are thieves and robbers. Anyone who dissuades or distracts others from following Christ is a thief and a robber. This includes, obviously, the anti-religious thieves and robbers, like the new brand of atheists I mentioned recently, who aren't content themselves merely to disbelieve, but feel the need to proselytize, so that not only will they be atheists, but until the whole world is full of the rejection and the disbelief of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. These are thieves and robbers who make a claim on the followership of those who would otherwise follow Jesus. They climb over the wall, so to speak, trying to make a claim on those lives upon whom they really have no business making a claim. This includes also the teachers and leaders of false religions and philosophies. This includes the imams and the gurus and the the holy men and the whoever's. This includes the philosophers, the humanists, the stoics, the whoever who have a, a way of living. They make a claim on your followership. Don't follow Christ as he's presented in the scripture. Instead, follow me. Follow this path. Follow this philosophy. Follow this teaching. Follow this false God. They don't own you. They don't own Christ's sheep. But they come and they try to get you to not follow Christ. They are thieves and they are robbers. They are not just simply an alternative path for those who are not into Christianity. It is not six of one, half a dozen of another, to each his own, different strokes for different folks. They are thieves and robbers, making a claim on the followership of those whom they have no, no legitimate claim upon. Furthermore, there are those who even under the label of Christianity They claim to be Christians. They fly the banner of Christianity over their ministries, over their churches, over their denominations. But they teach and preach an unbiblical gospel and an unbiblical Christ and are found to be leading the sheep away from Christ Jesus. Thieves and robbers... The sheep say it seems to me that Jesus actually teaches this. No, no, no. Never never mind that. Follow me instead. Well, it seems that the Bible teaches whatever. Ah, that was that was the way they interpreted it then, but these are new times and so we have to adapt. And so there's this Christian language. There's the label Christian, but what is fundamentally happening? is people are trying to get the sheep to follow them instead of following the biblical Christ. Thieves and robbers, whether the new atheists, whether the philosophers and other religious teachers of our day, or whether the false teachers and heretics within Christianity who pervert the biblical gospel and distort The biblical picture of Christ that we are given. Whoever is leading you away from Christ Jesus and getting you to follow them instead, they are not the shepherd of the sheep. The sheep do not belong to them. They are thieves and they are robbers. The issue is this do the sheep belong to you? If not, then you have no business leading them wherever you please. Yes, there are under-shepherds. I am not Christ Jesus. But I'm not asking you to follow me. I'm telling you to follow Christ. And I'm telling you, if I, or even an angel from heaven preaches a different Christ and a different gospel from that which is written here. Don't follow me. Don't follow that angel. Follow Christ. Do the sheep belong to you? If not, then you have no business leading them wherever you please. You must lead the sheep where the shepherd who owns them, to whom they belong, wants them to go. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. We could adapt that well-known saying and put a different spin on it and say, let the sheep come to Jesus. Let the little lambs come to Jesus. You may not actually be setting yourself up as a teacher trying to get people to stop following Jesus. But whatever impediment, whatever distraction, whatever dissuasion you are putting in the way of the sheep going with their shepherd, you are interfering. You're essentially making a claim on the sheep when you have no business making a claim. And therefore you are a thief and a robber. Be careful not to follow thieves or robbers. And be careful, of course, not to be one. In contrast to those who are thieves and robbers, however, Jesus has a legitimate claim on the sheep. The most natural place to begin expounding this point is to review some of what we've already covered in John's Gospel. Remember back in John chapter 6 that Jesus says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. Two things are latent in this verse. That there are those given Him by the Father, and that the giving of persons from the Father to the Son unfailingly results in those persons coming in faith to Christ. All that the Father gives me will come to me. John 6 39 Jesus says this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all he has given me but raise it up on the last day so again if someone has been given by the father to the son we've already read that that person will come to Jesus we read here that that person will not be lost but that Jesus will raise him up on the last day If these things are true if you just take those premises there are people given by the father to the son the Bible says that explicitly all of those people will come to Jesus in faith none of them will be lost each and every one of them will surely and certainly be raised up on the last day if all of those premises are true then it follows inescapably. It is inescapably clear that there are people who have been given by the Father to the Son, and there are people who have not been given by the Father to the Son. Otherwise, it would necessarily have to be the case that all people everywhere would come to faith in Christ, and that no one would be lost but that everyone would be raised up on the last day. These whom the Father has given to the Son then in John chapter 6. These are the sheep to whom Christ is referring in John chapter 10 who hear His voice and follow Him. There's much that we will Explore about Christ's work as the shepherd toward these, his sheep, over the next few weeks as we continue through John chapter 10. However, turn your attention back to John 10 and verses 2 and 3, and let's intentionally restrict ourselves to what this particular section at the beginning of John chapter 10 says about Christ the shepherd. We notice in verse 2 that the shepherd doesn't need to sneak around. He's able to just walk right up and approach the gatekeeper and get access by legitimate means instead of going over the wall because he has a legitimate claim upon the sheep. They belong to him. Next, we notice that the shepherd takes an individual interest in each of the sheep. It says he calls his own sheep by name. The whole flock. <coughs> excuse me. The whole flock belongs to the shepherd, but the shepherd also knows and claims each individual one as his own. Lastly, we notice that the shepherd doesn't drive the sheep, but leads from the front. There's a story, I, th- I think you guys have heard it, I, I think maybe even my dad told you it last time he was here, but I'll tell you again. There's a story about a busload of travelers in Israel listening to a tour guide as he describes the practice of Middle Eastern shepherds leading the flock from the front, when out the window, they see a man with a, a large stick, driving the sheep from behind. And when a sheep gets out of line, he whacks him with a large stick. And someone asked, if what you're telling us about Middle Eastern shepherds is true, then what about this man who's not leading from the front, but is driving the sheep from behind? And the tour guide answered, that's not the shepherd, that's the butcher. Fellow Christians, we belong to Christ. He has a legitimate claim upon us, us, the whole flock belongs to him. He has a church, which is a flock, comprised of believers from every age, from every ethnicity, from every socio-economic bracket, from around the world. And we belong to Christ. We are His. <coughs> Individual Christian, you belong to Christ. And He calls you by name. There is one day going to be a tribe, or pardon me, a multitude from every tribe and language and people and nation. So large. So numerous that no one can count. But to Christ you will not be lost among that number. He calls out his sheep by name. And as the whole flock is his and belongs to him and he he takes it for his own, so every individual sheep within that flock belongs to Christ Jesus. Each and every one has been given by the Father to the Son. It wasn't just a quota to fill up, you know, X amount of million or X amount of billion. It wasn't an empty bus, so to speak, that Christ Jesus had the liberty to fill. It wasn't a stadium with a capacity of a certain amount that Christ had the liberty to fill. A number, it wasn't just a vague number given by the Father to the Son, but it was individuals, names, each and every one was given by the Father to the Son. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit entered into a covenant in which the Father sent the Son to accomplish that work which would be necessary for the redemption of each and every one of these people. And the Spirit agreed to empower the Son for this work. So in the power of the Spirit, the Son came from the Father's side to live a perfect life, to not get money on behalf of the sheep who had wandered off, got stuck in the mud, to keep out of the briar patch, in the place of the sheep who had got stuck in the thorns. Jesus Christ came and lived perfectly, not only for the church as a whole, not only for the flock as a whole, but for each and every one of his sheep. Christian, Christ lived perfectly for you, for each and every failing of yours, Christ Jesus has succeeded. For each and every one of your transgressions, Christ Jesus has obeyed. And Christ Jesus went to the cross to bear each and every one of your sins in his body on the truth, as the Apostle Peter tells us. Because you were given him by the Father, he has undertaken for you everything that is necessary for your salvation. And having reconciled you to God, he undertakes for your well-being all your life through. All the way, my Savior leads me. All the way. He doesn't just get you out of Egypt, but he gets you across the Red Sea and through the wilderness and into the promised land. Christ Jesus leads you And he leads you from the front, as I said. Yes, he has a rod and a staff and he disciplines. But Christ Jesus' rod and staff is much different than the whip of the slave driver. It is a blessed thing to belong to the shepherd. It is a blessed thing to hear his voice and follow him. Because as we sang earlier in the service from Psalm 23 makes me lie down green pastures, leads me beside still waters. So we come to see Christ Jesus as our shepherd. We hear his voice, we follow him, and we find blessedness in that. Isn't it wonderful to belong to Christ? Isn't it wonderful to sing, as we so often do, I am His forever. And as we belong to Him, so He inversely belongs to us. And isn't it wonderful to sing, My Jesus, I love Thee. I know Thou art mine. There is profound blessedness in being one of Christ's sheep. In being able to say of Christ what the bride says of the groom in the Song of Solomon. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Can you say such a thing? It's just another way of asking, are you a sheep? Are you one of the sheep? given by the Father to the Son. One of those referred to in John chapter 10 who hear Christ's voice and follow Him. Our relationship to Christ is seen in our response to His voice. Look at the last half of verse 3 and follow it. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. As we draw to a conclusion, consider that the passage that this passage teaches us that our relationship to Christ is seen in response in our, pardon me, is seen in our response to the voices around us. Do you run from the voice of others? Because Jesus says that's what sheep do. A stranger, they, that is the sheep, will not follow. But they will flee from it. For they do not know the voice of strangers. Are you following all kinds of voices but the voice of Christ? Then no matter what you label yourself, even if you label yourself a Christian, you have no legitimate basis to think of yourself as a sheep. sheep run from other voices. Or by way of contrast, do you hear the shepherd's voice and run from all the others as you listen to Christ speaking as the head of his church through the apostles and prophets in the Holy Scriptures? Do you give ear? And do you reject and run from that which is unfamiliar to the Bible. That which has a, something fishy about it, something funny about it, this doesn't add up. Whether it comes clothed in non-Christian language or Christian language. When you hear someone else talking about many ways to heaven or to each his own, or relative truth, or all of these things that are out there, all of these other voices right now. About how you have the power within to be whatever you want to be, or whatever. I can't name all the counterfeits, but you know they're out there. When you start to hear stuff like this that doesn't have the ring to it of the shepherd's voice, this doesn't sound much like what I hear Jesus telling me through the apostles and the prophets. Do you run from that? When you hear it even clothed in Christian language. Jesus doesn't want you to be poor. Jesus doesn't want you to be sick. Jesus wants you to have life abundantly. We're about to come to that, you know, in a couple weeks. And it just something's fishy about it. And it doesn't really have the it sounds like someone trying to sound like the shepherd instead of the shepherd himself. No matter how much you try to sound like someone else, their sheep or their dog still knows it's not it's not them. Even if you mimic. Do you run from that which is unfamiliar? Sounds a little strange. Doesn't sound like Christ speaking through the apostles and the prophets. Are you weary? This is the litmus test. Give careful consideration to whose voice you're listening to and which voices you're not listening to. This is the litmus test of belonging to Christ, of being a sheep. Give careful consideration to where the evidence points with respect to your status, whether you are a sheep or not. Remember, as you think through these things, that the same Jesus who taught us that some were given him by the Father implying that some weren't. Also said in the same passage, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So if you take stock of your life and you're honest with yourself and you say, you know what, I don't really follow Jesus' voice. In reality, I claim to be a Christian, I attend church, so on and so forth, but... When it comes down to it, I don't really, it's not really the principle of my life to follow the shepherd's voice. And in fact, I actually follow many other voices. I'm following strangers, I'm following thieves and robbers. If you get there in your reflection, don't stay away on the basis, don't draw the conclusion uh oh, maybe I have not been given by the Father to the Son. And therefore, I'm doomed. Come. Because every one of those who presently are Christ's sheep and know it, at some point, didn't hear his voice and didn't follow. The Father knows all of those whom he has given to the Son The son knows all of those who have been given to him by the father. But there is a point in time, whether you can identify it or not, some people don't know when they were converted. But there is a point in time in which those who previously did not hear the shepherd's voice come to hear it and begin to follow him and manifest that they are one of those sheep given by the Father to the Son. This passage doesn't actually teach us that you become a sheep by hearing Christ's voice and following. This passage actually teaches us that you recognize whether you are one of Christ's sheep or not by whether you hear His voice and follow. So, if you think to yourself, I don't really follow the shepherd's voice, I follow the voice of strangers, then hear the, hear the shepherd's voice beckoning to you, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Hear him call, calling you to follow him. And hear his voice. And follow him. And it will become manifest that you are indeed one of Christ's sheep that you are indeed one of Christ's little lambs. And then you may join together with all of us who have already heard, who have already followed, who are presently following. My Jesus, my Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. And together with us, you may live that blessed life of continually listening for the voice of the shepherd in the Holy Scriptures, looking at what he says to us through the apostles and prophets, and following and fleeing from all other voices, and we may live that blessed life described in Psalm 1, of he who meditates on what God says.